Lost chains, though. You got phone. Pick it up. Call me. How come we don't even talk no more? And you don't even call no more? We don't barely keep in touch at all. And I don't even feel the same love when we hug no more. And I heard it through the grapevine. We even beefing now. After all the years we've been down, ain't no way no how. This bullshit can't be true. We family and a damn thing changed. Today's program, we're bringing the heat, we're bringing the fire. On the program today, we've got plenty of NBA action, NBA All-Star Weekend approaching, what teams are hot, who to look out for. We've got NFL football, the playoffs continue, can anybody stop the San Francisco 49ers? We've got college football, LSU reign supreme. As they dominate Clemson, Joe Burrow, will he be the number one pick? We've got Premier League action, Manchester City, draw again overnight. Surely Liverpool are winning the title in 2020. And we've got the Australian Open breakdown, ATP Cup, who looks good? The Open starts on Monday, Nadal, Djokovic, Federer, it's an action-packed show. This is no holds barred. So my own album with a deal, but shit got worse. So I came out, I would have killed the nigga first. For I let him disrespect me or check me over some worse. Some bitch that I wasn't with. I would hit her and quit. But you would pull a talk with her and tell her she was the shit. I told you don't get involved with You were smoking a car with her coming out of the bar with her stumbling half drunk like y'all was husband and wife or something. But me catching the fucking other niggas must have hurt your pride or something. Cause you won't fuck at the mouth of people like you wanted with me. When all I try to And we are back. No holds barred sports podcast. Welcome to the show. This is Jade Kolf at the Kolf Man. Massive show today. Looking at the agenda, massive show today. A little bit of everything. We've got our usual red hot NBA segments. Plenty to talk about. Uh, we've got some real, uh, real heat uh, in the NBA. Some. Uh, some beefs going on. We're going to talk about Kevin Durant and Kendrick Perkins, former teammates at uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. They've got a bit of a Twitter war going on. That is some real interesting stuff. Uh, we're talking uh, We're talking Lakers. Um, LeBron James and the Lakers still continue to cruise, even though a, a bad loss there the other night to the Orlando Magic. We're going to talk a little bit about Utah. They've won 10 in a row. Memphis... Uh, doing some real damage. Uh, JJ Morant is lighting up uh, the league over the last week. Uh, he looks like he was. Uh, he looks like the uh, the the clear cut rookie of the year. We're also going to talk a little bit about Zion Williamson. What I think about his future prospects, and uh, he's really uh, costing the Pelicans dearly this year. No production at all. Uh, we'll talk about his durability moving forward. We've got NFL. We're talking. We're down to the final four, 49ers and the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tennessee Titans. We're going to talk about those matchups, uh, what to expect there. A little bit about Tom Brady. Does he stay with the Patriots? 
does he does he move on? Uh, some really interesting stuff there. Uh, we'll, we'll deep dive in a little bit of the the Ravens uh, and their mediocre performance against the Tennessee Titans and what caused that. Lamar Jackson just did not have a good game. He just didn't play well. Didn't play well. They fell behind early. They're a great front running team, and they they basically panicked. Uh, they weren't sure how to 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 get out of that. Uh, we've got a little bit of Premier League action. Manchester City have just drawn 2-2 with Crystal Palace. They lose more points, more possible points in trying to peg back uh, Liverpool, the boys at Anfield, playing uh, the boys from Old Trafford uh, this weekend. Manchester United um, always uh, a blockbuster encounter. That one, no matter where teams are on the table. Uh, but Liverpool, they're a well-oiled machine right now. Uh, and Manchester United just looking to uh, to, to peg one back on their, their arch rivals. We're going we're gonna to touch on uh, college football. LSU, national champions, they take care of Clemson. We'll talk about Joe Burrow. Uh, your LSU, they got the quarterback uh, position right. It's the most important uh, position in football, the quarterback position. You get it right, uh, you're every chance to impact and to be a dominant team in LSU. We're definitely that this year. We'll talk about if Joe Burrow will go uh, be the number one pick. He should be uh, at the next NFL draft. And the Australian Open gets underway in a little over 48 hours. We're going to talk about that, uh, what to expect. Alex Dimonov of Australia out with that abdominal tear from the ATP Cup. We'll touch on that as well. And a little bit on the lead-up events that wrapped up uh, today in Adelaide and Auckland. We'll talk a little bit about the winners there. Andre Rublev off to a hot start, undefeated so far uh, in 2020, winning back-to-back titles. He uh, took the title uh, in Adelaide uh, today, and uh, we will touch on that. Uh, but we're going to start the show. Uh, we're going to talk NFL, and uh, we are at the business end of uh, the NFL season down to the final four. And we've got the San Francisco 49ers and the Green Bay Packers this weekend and the Kansas City Chiefs, the explosive Kansas City Chiefs and the upstart Tennessee Titans. And look, interesting matchups all around. You look at it there, uh, you know, San Francisco, uh, look, they just look like the, the best team uh, in the league, they look like the best all-round team. They're the one team that uh, that does everything well, and uh, they can straight up knock you out with the way they go about it. Uh, defensively, they're uh, they're a juggernaut. Jimmy G, uh, Garoppolo, the quarterback, um, he continues to get the job done, and I see them really uh, really going to town on Green Bay uh, this weekend. Green Bay uh, find themselves back in the. Uh, the, uh, the conference championship game, um, they're just a solid outfit. They're not explosive as a, as, as a Kansas City Chiefs, um, and they're not like the 49ers up front. Uh, the 49ers are just absolutely loaded in that area, but the Packers have got Aaron Rodgers, and, and what else do they have? They really have. They're, they're kind of like very similar to the Patriots, except they've, they've got a little, bit more, uh, a little bit more to throw to. Uh, poor Tom Brady had nothing to throw to, and uh, they were exposed, and that's why he, he may be on the market and looking to, to move on somewhere else. Uh, the disrespect is 
truly phenomenal. Uh, Brady, who's taken pay cuts his whole career there and uh, and really uh, been as loyal as can be, as professional as can be, and just had nobody to throw it to, and time may be up there for Brady. Um, but I see Green Bay, I see the Packers as, as really uh, a slightly better New England Patriots. Is that going to get it done this weekend against uh, the San Francisco 49ers? Uh, I doubt that very, very much uh, because they can flat out knock you out. They are the pick, uh, I believe, uh, to to go all the way and win the Super Bowl. Um, and, uh, you know, that's a matchup that's uh, going to cause all kinds of problems uh, for the Green Bay Packers. As I said, um, they're loaded, uh, the 49ers, in, in all areas. They've got great coaching. Uh, they've got a quarterback who, uh, well, he's a star. He's an out-and-out star. When he was in New England, uh, they were looking to to promote him and push Brady out. But, uh, look, in the end, the 49ers uh, made the trade. They knew they had to get their guy, and they got him. And it's been nothing but uh, tremendous upside for the San Francisco 49ers, completely turning that franchise around. And uh, it's going to take some real... Uh, uh, an absolute standout game from Aaron Rodgers. He's going to have to play a perfect game uh, this weekend if they're to get over uh, the San Francisco 49ers, that's for sure. Um, on the Kansas City uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, look, they were down 24-0 against the Houston Texans, and you could see that uh, what was the most amazing thing was Patrick Mahomes, uh, the star gunslinger quarterback, just didn't panic, just didn't hit the panic button. And the Kansas City Chiefs, are, they're built to win in, in many, many ways. As I said, you've got Andy Reid, got uh, very, very solid coaching, a lot of experience. Um, but to put that win in perspective for Kansas City, down 24-0, they scored seven touchdowns from then on out, and no drive was longer than three minutes and 55 seconds. So they can put up points very, very quickly, and they did that. There was no panic at all on the sideline of the of the Chiefs. And then you take a look at Baltimore when they fell behind down 21-6 to the Titans. You could see that they were, they were unsettled on the sidelines. They weren't used to being behind. They aren't built to be behind. The style of football that they, that they produce is really a ground and pound, a run kind of style. And once they were behind, you could see that they were unsettled. Tennessee felt that too. And with Derrick Henry just absolutely uh, steamrolling and uh, crushing everything in his wake, um, Baltimore, uh, they were exposed. And and Tennessee, um, you've got to hand it to them. Nobody saw this coming. I definitely didn't see this coming. And look, Lamar Jackson, he, he didn't play well. Um, so he needs to get ripped. He needs to get called out. And it's only, it's going to be good for him. It really is. Uh, he's, look, he's going to win the MVP of the league. But he'll come back uh, better next year. He's, he's a real grinder. He works hard. He seems like he's, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's got a solid mindset. Uh, he's, not, uh, he's not brash like a Baker Mayfield or he doesn't get ahead of himself. And this is only going to humble him even more. Um, so he doesn't need uh, he doesn't need your sympathy. He, he's going to be all right. But 
you know, to throw two interceptions, he threw two picks, a fumble, and he wasn't good situationally against the Titans. It's really as simple as that. And down 21-6, that's not uh, an insurmountable lead. You look at Kansas City, Mahomes, down 24-0, that thing looks over. But for some reason, watching that game, you're watching that game and you're thinking, this doesn't seem like it's over. And as I said, it wasn't. Every touchdown that they scored from then on out was in no longer than three minutes and 55 seconds. They just flat out get it done. They are as explosive as uh, as they come. And Houston had no answer. Where, you know, the Ravens game, um, situationally, they're just not built built for success. They're not built to fall behind and to, to put up points quickly. Um, and, you know, Lamar Jackson, he, he looked rattled. Uh, and the Ravens' offense is not explosive enough to, to put up points um, to, to dig, your, dig your way out of holes. Um, it's really as, as simple as that. Um, so, you know, back to the drawing board for the Baltimore Ravens. Definitely didn't see that coming, but what about Tennessee? They continue to just give the ball to Derrick Henry uh, and the former Alabama uh, standout back, running back, is just on an absolute tear. Will it be enough uh, this weekend against uh, against Kansas City? I'm, I'm not too sure about that. But uh, look, the dream matchup for the Super Bowl is, is the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. There's absolutely uh, no doubt about that. We'll be we'll be looking for that one there. Um, that's for sure. But you know there'll be some interesting moves going on. You know Brady, as I said. Um, there's been talk of him heading to the Chargers. You know, does he hang around in New England? Do they, uh, you know, is it a good fit? They clearly, clearly got complacent this year. He had nothing to nothing to, uh, to throw to. And I think you'll find that, look, uh, this weekend, um, Aaron Rodgers against this uh, elite standout San Francisco 49ers defense, <clears throat> I think you'll find that uh, he's going to have to play a near-perfect game. He really is. Otherwise, uh, I think this uh, this scoreline could get ugly as well. I see San Francisco was probably um, at least a minimum two-touchdown uh, better side than Green Bay, and that's with Green Bay playing absolutely lights out this weekend. So... Um, I think the 49ers, they've got everything uh, right across the board. They've got the quarterback play. They've got the coaching. They've got the defense. They've got the offensive line, the defensive line. They can flat out knock you out, smack you in the face. They've got the attitude. And I see them steamrolling the Green Bay Packers. And let's look for a, a 49ers, a San Francisco 49ers, and a Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl with Jimmy G and Patrick Mahomes going head-to-head for the NFL's greatest prize. This is Jade Kolf at the Kolf Man. We'll be back after this break. You know, the Ravens collapses... Well, Starling really <clears throat> did not see that coming, not at all. Lamar Jackson, he he was bad. Simple as that. And it happens sometimes, but 
Yep, you'll go back to the drawing board and they, they will be back. They are going to be around for the next five years. That, uh, that Ravens team, uh, without a doubt. But, yeah, how about that possible San Francisco and Kansas City Super Bowl? Gee whiz, that is a popcorn matchup if ever I've seen it. But you've got to win the games on the field. And the Titans, they are, look, they're hot. They were hot coming in. And momentum is is a beautiful thing, especially this time of year. And uh, they've got it. So we'll be tuning in to those games this weekend. We're going to stay on the football theme We're going to be talking Louisiana State University and Clemson, the national championship game of college football, and LSU uh, wins their first national title in quite a few years now, but they they break through, and look, they were the best team all year. Let's, uh, Let's be truthful about that, and... I want to talk about the quarterback play of Joe Burrow. Uh, and look, he's going to be the number one pick uh, in the uh, in the NFL draft. Noted about that. Trevor Lawrence, uh, the quarterback for, for Clemson. Uh, you know, two standout quarterbacks here. And it, it, we, talk about all, we talk about this all the time on the show. If you haven't got the quarterback or the right quarterback play, you are going to be vulnerable. It, it's simple as that. In NFL football, in college football, you know, American football, the quarterback position is the key position. Doesn't matter what's going on on the rest of the uh, around the rest of the park in terms of all your other positions. Now, you want to have good balance, that's for sure. But a perfect example is the New England Patriots, like Tom Brady. Look, I still think Tom Brady is a top five quarterback. In the league, he had absolutely nobody to throw the ball to all season long. And what they lose? They lost two games, three games on the year. What were they? Thirteen and three on the year. And you know, still they were until around about 12, 13 games in, they were uh, they were the best team in football. Okay, they really just ran out of legs because. Well, he just had no one to throw it to. Um, you know, it's a long season. But Brady, you've got Brady back there in the pocket throwing the football. You're a chance to win games. It, it, it doesn't matter what uh, what you have out there. You can have um, some chairs out there as wide receivers or coat hangers, which is basically what Brady had. Let's be honest. He had Julie, Julian Edelman to throw the ball to and a bunch of chairs out there. And then Edelman got banged up because... Well, you know, he's uh, he's been in the league for, for quite a while now, so wear and tear starting to take its toll on Edelman. And, you know, when he's the only one that uh, you can throw the ball to, well, they just lock him down and, you know, you're in trouble, you're vulnerable. Um, so quarterback play, uh, especially in college football as well, and LSU uh, and Clemson had uh, the two best quarterbacks in, in college football. Now, you talk about uh, University of Alabama, uh, Nick Saban and the, the Crimson Tide, Tua 
he got uh, he got injured late there with that um, that hip injury um, that uh, really cancelled them out of the the national championship contention. They probably didn't have the the squads that uh, LSU and Clemson have, but with Tua back there, he could anything anything was possible. They could have been the national champion, but he had that uh, that injury um, that. Uh, you know, a real bad injury there where he had to have surgery. Um, but uh, but Joe Burrow, you know, transferred, came to LSU, you know, overcame some adversity, um, you know, showed toughness. And you've got to be tough in football. There's, there's no doubt about that. Half the, half the league, half the league, half the players in the NFL league are undrafted. And it makes no sense whatsoever. So half the league... Half the players in the league are not drafted. They're undrafted and come into the league uh, in another way, just through tryouts or, you know, through, um, you know, the Canadian Football League or or whatever the case may be. Um, You've got to be tough. You've got to be tough to play, you know, this game week in, week out. Uh, Not only that, though, once you get to the professional level as well, the NFL is the one league, professional league in the United States where, you know, it's tough contract-wise. You can be cut at any single time. Um, there are no guaranteed contracts. Uh, you get hurt, you do a knee, um, you know, you bust, a, you know, you, you do an ACL or a shoulder or, you know, a serious injury and, and you're vulnerable. you got to back up. you got to prove yourself week in, week out. Uh, and it's a tough, tough game. It's not like uh, the NBA where... There's plenty of entitlement going on. You got, uh, you know, guaranteed contracts and players these days. Uh, some of the contracts that are getting around the NBA is absolutely uh, absurd. Let's not get into the details there. That's uh, that's for another time right now. But you've got you got players really when you look at it. Not even marquee players that are making twelve, thirteen million dollars a season. These are just role players, and a lot of the uh, a lot of the pro athletes in the National Football League, they're not happy with that. They're not happy with that. Um, you know, they're out there, uh, you know, scrapping, uh, trying to, uh, you know, to get the best deal possible. And, you know, they don't have any of their leverage at all. It's all all the owners and um, the NFL commissioner and um, the rules are that um, it's just tough. It's just tough in football. No guaranteed contracts. Um, where the NBA, you can be uh, a role player coming off the bench, earning your, your $10, $11, $12 million a year over four or five years. And if you're, uh, if you're injured and you're sitting on the pine, uh, you're getting paid. Just take a look at Zion Williamson uh, in New Orleans right now. How many games has he played so far this year? I don't even know. Let me tell you how many. Not many, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, he's banged up, but he's uh, on the sideline in street clothes. And hey, he's uh, he's getting paid. It's costing the Pelicans big coin to have him ride in the pine when he's paid to to uh, you know to to score hoops and 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 make buckets. And that's not the way it is uh, in football. And you know Joe Joe Burrow, quarterback of LSU, showed showed great toughness over the journey. And and football is tough. And he's going to be the number one pick. In, uh, in the NFL draft. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that whatsoever. It was a great game. Um, Clemson 
look, these teams are going to be back there in that. Uh, in I think LSU will drop off a little bit. They, I mean, they're they're going to lose some uh, some players to the NFL. There's no doubt about that. That uh, that defensive, uh, you know, their quarterbacks are absolutely lights out. They're going to be playing football on Sunday uh, over the next year, uh, the next two years. There's no doubt about that. You'll you'll uh, they are absolutely loaded. Clemson will be bringing more players back. Uh, next season, so they uh, they won't lose uh, much of their depth, but uh, expect these teams to be around the mark. Clemson will be back in the playoff, and Alabama, University of Alabama have got uh, either the number one or number two uh, recruiting class this year. Saban's gone out. Um, they've got some real blue-chip marquee athletes coming in. They aren't going anywhere. Um, Alabama, they slipped back this year, but they'll be back uh in the elite of college football um, next year. Joe Burrow, congratulations to LSU. Uh, They win the national championship, well-deserved. And uh, Joe Burrow, expect number one pick uh, into the NFL. And uh, it is very, very well-deserved. Well done, LSU. This is No Holds Barred. Joe Burrow, LSU number one pick, or do you go with do you go with Tua from Alabama? Yeah, it's an interesting one, that's for sure. It's always the hottest one's always the one that you you see last. And LSU they win the national championship. Joe Burrow plays well, but you forget about how great. Tua is from the lefty from Alabama is before he went down with the injury. Uh, he's special. He's a generational quarterback. Um, but after a serious injury like that, you know, do you go with Burrow, the safe pick, or do you go with Tua? And then you've got Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, who, and he's, um, he's generational as well. A lot of great quarterback play coming out of college football into the NFL and some of these pro teams are lining up uh, to get their get their quarterback. Uh, you can't win in the NFL without having uh, an elite quarter a lead quarterback play. It's it's really as simple as that. So will be interesting, be very interesting NFL draft and how teams NFL teams jockey uh, to move on up. We're going to segue on to some Premier League action and some results in, and well, it's a big result really in the context of the Premier League table and the title race and Manchester City have drawn with Crystal Palace 2-2 and Crystal Palace scored first then City scored in quick succession they looked home but they've given up another late goal there defensively they have been vulnerable and a real liability this year and Pep Guardiola would be pulling his hair out they've given up points once again they don't max out on that one they don't get the three points. 
they only get the one and that's only going to increase uh, the boys at Anfield Liverpool's lead at the top of the table and really when you look at it it, the lead that Liverpool have and, and the, the kind of football that they're playing right now, the, the, it looks over. The, the lead looks insurmountable. And, you know, you don't want to call it too early uh, because we have seen teams in the future, uh, uh, in the past, I should say, uh, relinquish uh, big leads. But Liverpool, they look, uh, they look like a, a well-oiled machine right now. Uh, you know, yet to lose a, a, a contest so far this uh, this Premier League season. About to go into uh, the knockout phases of uh, the Champions League. Uh, Jurgen Klopp has uh, has the team and has the squad. They they they've, they've never looked stronger. Uh, let's be honest. And uh, look, they play Manchester United uh, this weekend. Uh, you know, pretty much when you look at it, uh, you'd have to say that's the it's really the biggest uh, the, the biggest rivalry game uh, that there is in the Premier League. There, we talk about Manchester City and Manchester United. Um, you know, the Manchester derby's a big one, but you know, you speak to most uh, hardcore Manchester United fans and Liverpool fans. This is the one uh, that they circle on the calendar. Uh, when the fixtures come out, they they circle. If you're a Manchester United fan, they circle the Liverpool contest, and if you're a Liverpool fan, they circle the Manchester United uh, contest, and it will take place in about 24 hours. And Manchester United were uh, is the one team so far to uh, to almost uh, almost beat Liverpool this year. Um, I believe it was a 1-1 draw last time Liverpool scored late. And um, look, Manchester United really struggling for uh, consistency. Their goal is to get back into that top four uh, for Champions League action next year. Um, So they're fighting for that where Liverpool, uh, they just want to uh, create even more space between themselves, uh, Manchester City and, and Leicester City. And they want to uh, put this uh, Premier League title away as soon as possible. And a win over their rival, Manchester United, uh, this weekend will go a long, long way uh, in doing that. So, you know, what do United have to play for? Well, they're really playing for pride um, right now. Clearly, they can't, um, they can't threaten... Uh, the Premier League this year, as I said, they're uh, they're really focused on getting back into uh, the Champions League and the elite uh, European competition, uh, really hurting their their brand and their uh, uh, their squad not being in the main competition. So um, that's the divide between these two teams. Liverpool, uh, you know, the Champions League, the, the the winning the Champions League last year. Um, they've won a couple of cups this year already. The world, uh, the world club cup, uh, the, the super cup as well. Uh, I believe they're still uh, they're still in the uh, in the FA Cup. They put a a, a second tier squad up against Everton, 
uh, and took care of business there, playing the kids. Um, so they're just picking their spots right now, Liverpool. They're going to be focused on, well, the two areas they're focused on are uh, the Premier League, uh, and they look to have had that wrapped up in, in, in the Champions League. But, um, you know, the Liverpool brand is back. It's never been stronger. But uh, Manchester United and Liverpool, no matter where they are on the table, uh, they uh, it is one to uh, sit in front of uh, the the screen and, uh, and watch this one. Um, Manchester United, as I said, uh, have lacked the consistency that... Uh, that they would like, um, but the Premier League's tough. There's no doubt about that. There's not too many teams that um, are getting consistent results. Um, Arsenal have struggled. Uh, Tottenham uh, uh, are back to the pack. They've struggled. Uh, Chelsea really trying to find their way. They're a, a little bit up and down. And you know, Man- Manchester City not even getting results as well. Um, the only team that uh, has really separated themselves from the rest of the pack is uh, is this Liverpool outfit and. Jurgen Klopp, uh, really, it is safe to say, you know, probably a, a safe bet that he he would be really considered, uh, arguably the best, uh, the best manager uh, on the planet right now in the game of uh, in the game of uh, world football, and I don't think you'd get too many that could really argue with that over the last. Since coming on board at Liverpool, he has totally transformed uh, this team. They have been on uh, and up on a wayward trend. Everything, every move that he makes uh, is uh, is clinical. They uh, every player that they've brought in, uh, the the player has improved and gotten better. Um, every transfer target that they bring in, uh, he's really big on development. And uh, players that have left the club have um, their values gone down. They haven't uh, they haven't performed as well away from the club. So he's created uh, an incredible culture and an incredible environment. And Liverpool look as confident and as free flowing, uh, playing an exciting brand of football. Um, but that one this weekend, Liverpool versus Manchester United, um, that one jumps off the screen. Get. Uh, in front, if you are a, a Premier League fan, uh, get in front of that one. Uh, Manchester United need to uh, have an impact, and if they can get some points against Liverpool, that'll give us some confidence to go uh, top four, which is what they're looking for. But Liverpool uh, pretty much pencil them in uh, at this stage. Uh, they look like uh, they are racing away uh, with the Premier League title. And uh, but that one this weekend um, should be a beauty. But again, Manchester City they drop points, two two with Crystal Palace, and their title hopes seem to be diminished. This is no holds barred. Bit. It's remarkable. Remarkable. Liverpool. I don't think anybody saw this coming, but they uh, they have somehow separated themselves in a big way from Manchester City. The spending that Manchester City have access to and that they that they do, um, this is not a good look for them. 
and uh, Guardiola. But Jurgen Klopp, he's calculated, very, very calculated, and uh, just a remarkable managerial job since he's come in. But but mark that one down, Liverpool, Manchester United, get there. It, uh, it's always a beauty. We're going to move on to tennis. Yes, the tennis is going on. The Australian Open getting underway in a little over uh, 48 hours uh, in there, down there in Melbourne. And players were really wrapping up their, uh, their preparations over the last couple of days. We just saw uh, Andre Rublev take care of business, take out the title uh, there in Adelaide. Uh, over Lloyd Harris of South Africa, 6-3, 6-love. Rublev uh, saw that great uh, semi-final contest against Felix, uh, Felix uh, Auger Alamassi uh, of Canada. That was uh, a high-level best-of-three set match there. Two, uh, two youngsters uh, going at it. Uh, in very impressive win from Rublev. Uh, he, uh, he was down three love in that third set, but, um, you know, winning uh, back-to-back titles uh, to start the season, he'll head to, uh, he'll head to Melbourne uh, on, on a really uh, a massive winning streak, which, uh, which continues on from last year. He's going to have to recharge the batteries. He'll probably get a, uh, a Tuesday start uh, there in Melbourne. Uh, he'll probably request that uh, after... Uh, after playing in Adelaide, uh, and I wouldn't see why tournament organisers wouldn't allow that. But um, as I said, players are putting the finishing touches on uh, on their Australian Open preparations. Um, we're just going to touch on the ATP Cup that took place in Perth, Brisbane and Sydney uh, for the very, very first time. Um, Serbia uh, got over the top of Spain in the final. It came down to the doubles. And it was Novak Djokovic and Viktor Troicki um, who got the job done. But uh, the ATP Cup, I think it was uh, it was well received and as a spectacle, uh, it it's successful. No doubt about that. I'm not too sure how uh, how it was received by the players. I know there were some rumblings uh, behind the scenes um, in terms of with the format. Some players uh, weren't happy with. Uh, the way the teams were selected and uh, the, the the players that were included. There were a lot of higher-ranked uh, ATP Tour players that uh, were ineligible for it because they weren't ranked high enough, uh, yet there were some players who were ranked way, way down the rankings that were able to play because uh, their highest-ranked player was was a top 10 player, for example, or a top 15 player. Um, so there have been some rumblings. There's no doubt about that. There have been some rumblings in regards to uh, the amount of prize money that were, that's were that been handed out to uh, some of these players on on some of their wins. Uh, you know, some of these players that weren't included in the ATP Cup um, – we're in remote places uh, all around the world just to get some matches in uh, for, for, to prepare for uh, to prepare for the Australian Open. A great example is uh, a player such as uh, Philipp Kohlschreiber of Germany, who uh, has been around about a, a top twenty player over his career, um, 
had to play a challenger event in Bendigo uh, just to get some matches in uh, because there was there were no match there was no uh, events on the calendar uh, for him to play. One of the players that um, that did uh, show uh, a little bit of. Uh, a little bit of anger, I guess you could say, was was Andre Rublev, in fact, uh, who just took out the title uh, in Adelaide today, uh, the 250 title, and he's going to catapult up towards the top 10, around about, I think, 15, 16 in the world now, uh, Rublev. He was not happy with um, with the ATP Cup format. Now, Russia went in with a, a very, very strong side with um, uh, Dani Medvedev and Karen Kachanov, um, but had some Russian players on the bench there um, that played doubles. Rublev didn't get a Guernsey, uh, wasn't in the lineup um, because they had their uh, their two singles players were uh, very very highly ranked, and Rublev is uh, making his way back up the rankings um, to where he thinks he should be in that top twenty, and uh, he uh, was uh, he came forward and said that well it's absolutely ridiculous. He goes well, we've got players that. Uh, you know, can't play any tournaments while the ATP Cup's on, not to mention the amount of prize money that's handed out um, for guys that are just sitting on the bench acting as the cheer squad. Um, so it's created uh, all kinds of, uh, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, bitterness and uh, discontent amongst the playing group. Um, Rafael Nadal came out and said, why are we holding uh, two... Uh, Team events, the, the new newly formed Davis Cup format that took place over there in Spain was a week-long uh, uh, extravaganza at the end of the season. Um, I don't believe many uh, many tickets were sold for that either, but Nadal made the point of why are we playing uh, two uh, cup-style events, team-style events, country-style events uh, in the space of a month. So some real uh, some real growing pains there that need to be sorted out by uh, by the ATP. Um, but uh, look, I think overall most of the fans they enjoyed uh, the ATP Cup. Uh, I think um, you know with events uh, held in uh, matches held in Perth, Sydney, and Brisbane, there was the issue of Nadal and the Spanish team were over in Perth, had to fly to uh, back to Sydney after the pool games. Um, totally different conditions. Nadal uh, was having the humidity was 95% in the arena, in the stadium. Um, not much rest. Uh, we do know Alex Dimonar is missing the uh, Australian Open. He has like an abdominal tear from the event, from the amount of tennis and the workload um, that that he had for the Australian team. They, uh, the Australian team, losing to Spain in the semi-finals, they got absolutely. Uh, absolutely crushed. Batista are good. Uh, destroyed Kyrgios. And then uh, Nadal took care of business uh, in uh, in three sets against Dimonar. But, you know, the amount of workload that uh, Dimonar had, uh, well, he's now out of the Australian Open. So, um, you know, just playing too much tennis. The question is, is it, is it too much tennis leading into uh, the first slam of the year? Now, my argument was, yeah, players get a week off. They get a week off once the event finished in Sydney. They've got one week to um, you know, to freshen up, um, to regroup, recharge the batteries. And 
Look, if you want to play, Adelaide was affected. Novak Djokovic was scheduled to play there. Alex Dimonar was scheduled to play there. My argument was, well, if Novak wanted to play in Adelaide, go and get more matches. Go and play more matches. Um, he didn't feel the need to, so he pulled out. It's simple as that. That goes on every every season, everywhere on the ATP Tour. Players pull out of events because they've played too many matches uh, and they need rest. Um, that goes on all year round uh, in Europe. It goes on in the United States. It goes on in Asia. Just because it took place here in Australia in our backyard, you see it firsthand and people kick up a stink about it and talk about like, oh, you know, there's too much tennis with the ATP Cup now. You know, what about the people of Adelaide? They don't get to see Novak or Alex Dimonar. Well, it goes on everywhere. If you want to play more matches, play more matches. If you don't, um, you don't have to play more matches. Rest up, go to Melbourne, hit the practice courts, um, you know, recover. Um, It's not like the ATP Cup finished uh, a day before the Australian Open. It was scheduled that way, so um, you know there's a week rest. Um, so I think there's a space for it um, every January, but they're definitely going to have to tweak uh, tweak some things uh, in the way they select the players, select the teams, um, the prize money, um, these kinds of things. And um, you know, some interesting things going on there. This won't be the last that we hear about. Uh, you know, the uh, in terms of the format. But I think overall, um, I think there's a tremendous upside for the ATP Cup to uh, become a staple uh, fixture uh, every January in Australia before the Australian Open. The question is, what do they do with the, uh, the Davis Cup uh, format, which is a similar kind of format now? Um, that's going to play out. Um, but they need to come up with a better... Uh, they need to come up with a solution for the betterment of the game. Um, take the greed out of it. Um, the, betterment, benef, the betterment of uh, the game is is number one. So it'll be interesting to see um, how things uh, pan out there. Um, this is Jade Kolf at the Kolf Man. This is No Holds Barred. We'll be back after the break talking Australian Open 2020. Yeah, this argument that, oh, there was too much tennis during the ATP Cup. What about Adelaide? Now Novak's not playing. Now Alex is not playing. It goes on all season long. It's just because it's magnified here because it's going on here and it's on television and it's on the news. But it goes on everywhere. You see players pulling out of events, um, marquee players pulling out of events uh, every season on the ATP Tour. And so it's no different. If you want to play more matches, go and play more matches. If you need a break, you take a break. You are a professional. You need to work your schedule out. So come Australian Open time and come the biggest events, you are ready to go. Round one. If, you, if you're not ready to go and you feel like you, you're rusty and you need more, more match time, play Adelaide. Play another tournament leading in. If you want to rest, hit the practice courts and recover where you can, you can 
can control uh, your your workload. It's not rocket science. Simple as that. But, you know, Demon R will be out. So, you know, that's just, uh, it's unfortunate. But Novak felt like uh, he'd had more than enough tennis. So, um, goes on everywhere. Goes on everywhere. There is no argument for it. Um, you need to be prepared and fresh and ready to go for round one come Monday. That's what you need to focus on. And it's up the responsibility to the athlete to make sure that they're um, that they're ready to go to perform. Simple as that. In saying that, Australian Open 2020 and <clears throat> things are about to get underway in Melbourne uh, in a couple of days. And well, it's it's that time again, and we ask this question constantly on the show. You know, who is it going to be uh, at these big events? And from what I've seen so far, since uh, since players have have hit Australian shores, nothing tells me uh, any more than uh, the fact that Novak Djokovic is the man to beat down here once again. Conditions are going to favour him like you wouldn't believe. Uh, using the Dunlop balls uh, again this year, the bigger ball, the slower conditions, played on uh, you know what I think is conditions for the ATP Cup. There was some punishing tennis. They looked extremely slow, looked like a slow hard court, medium to slow hard court. Um, and the match against Nadal in the final the Serbia versus Spain final um, told me that uh, no- Novak, Nadal can't beat Novak uh, on a hard court. I believe it's 20, 20 straight sets that Djokovic has beaten Nadal on a hard court, which are just outrageous numbers, absolutely outrageous numbers. Nadal hasn't beaten Djokovic on a hard court since, 2000, uh, since 2013. Um, so if you look at this, you look at this form coming in, you look at those numbers, you look at the look at the stats there, uh, well, things don't bode well for Nadal. Now, in terms of uh, Federer, uh, you know, could Federer be the one to, uh, to take down Djokovic? In terms of the conditions that, that are going to be taking place in Melbourne, I say no. Uh, Federer, the two back-to-back Australian Opens that he won... Uh, before last year, they were played with the Wilson balls. The Wilson balls are a little smaller. They're a little quicker. They've, they they uh, have a little bit more zip. They fly through the air quicker. Um, they're not not the Dunlop balls. Now, you're probably thinking like, oh, come on, Jade, all you talk about is the balls and the conditions. Well, it makes a huge difference uh, with, these, uh, with these marquee players. I wouldn't be mentioning it on the show if it didn't make such a huge difference. We're talking very, very small margins uh, here uh, during the biggest matches, during semi-finals, during finals of majors. Um, the smallest of small of margins, a couple of points here or there, or you know, speed through the air in terms of you know the way the ball flies or if it fluffs up. Conditions play a huge, a huge role. Uh, court surface. Tennis ball used, air temperature. Um, these are the uh, the areas that you need to focus on 
and every single one of those areas or those conditions will be favouring uh, the Serb in, in Novak Djokovic. So I really think he is the out-and-out out, um, red-hot favourite. Um, you know, could someone outside of Nadal or Federer, you know, take down Djokovic? Look, it's hard to see it. If I had to pick one, uh, I'm going to go with uh, you know, the Greek youngster, Stefanos Sissipas. He did not have a uh, a very good uh, ATP Cup. Lost to, uh, actually lost a, uh, a tight one to, to Nick Kyrgios. But over the five-set format, I think this guy, um, he's one that can do some damage. He really is. He's a supreme athlete, stands about six foot three, six foot four, an incredible mover. Um, he's going to be fit and and ready to go. Um, I think outside of the Nadal and Federer, he is my pick to possibly do something. Will he? I don't know about that, but he is one who I think has the tools and the weaponry and the athleticism to maybe make an impact, to make a dent uh, in uh, in that area. Out of the other young guys, Alexander Zverev, I think uh, I don't think he's a threat. He's had all kinds of serving problems since uh, since landing in Australia. I think there's some off court issues going on there as well. Um, you know that may come out uh, over the next two weeks, but um, and he's been battling those off court issues. Uh, for quite a while. It's clearly affecting his game. Um, I don't think he, uh, even though he's got the firepower, he's yet to make a, make a semi-final of a Grand Slam. I don't think that's going to happen here in Australia from what I've seen so far. Um, you know, Dominic Team could he be one? He's still yet to show that he can, um, you know, impact at that level, at the consistent level on a hard court. Uh, he's shown he can make uh, Slam finals on clay, but... Uh, on a hard court, totally different ball game. Uh, he's been a little bit scratchy coming in, had a disastrous ATP Cup, hasn't won any matches at all. Um, you know, Dani Medvedev, I think he's the one. I think he was bitterly unlucky to pull up short against Nadal at the US Open there last year. Um, I think he is one physically who can um, cause real problems um, over the five-set journey. I think he is one as well. I think Medvedev... And possibly Sissipas uh, are probably the only ones that I think can, um, you know, make a dent in uh, in in the armory of, um, of of the Serb. As I said, Nadal he's lost twenty straight sets to Novak on a hard court, so he's got to try and figure out um, what he can do. And um, I think out of the younger guys, I think those two guys are really the only ones. Um, Denis Shapovalov, the the Canadian lefty. Um, you know, is he due? I've got huge wraps on him. Defensively, uh, he's improved a little bit. He has the firepower. Um, you know, he, he could do anything. Uh, could Felix, uh, Felix Auger um, of Canada as well. We saw him there the other night. Uh, he's been inconsistent at the at the slams, yet to really break through to a, a fourth round or a quarterfinal. So a lot of, um, a lot of narratives there and a lot of... Um, uh, a lot of possibilities, but nothing really concrete. Um, look, I think Medvedev uh, has shown that he can do it, um, but they uh, 
you know the Russian's quite volatile, but he's such a physical uh, a physical specimen out there. Um, he's shown that he can go the distance, and I think it will be brutal tennis as well. Absolutely, I think conditions are going to be a little bit cooler in Melbourne over the two weeks. Um, so uh, conditions are going to be slow. It doesn't bode well for um, for Roger Federer. Um, he wants it quick. He wants wants plenty of zip. Um, but uh, he's going to be fresh, that's for sure. I'm not playing any lead-in events coming in, uh, spending family time uh, at home. So, um, look, I think it's Novak Djokovic, and then you've got the rest of the field. Uh, it's really as simple as that. From what I saw there in Sydney, uh, it was absolutely uh, awesome tennis. Video game tennis is what I like to say. He looked stronger physically. He looked. Uh, he bullied Nadal. He was uh, rock solid from the the back of the court. Uh, I think he goes in as the red hot favourite uh, to take out the, his eighth Australian Open championship in 2020. This is Jade Colf at the Colf Man. Up next on No Holds Barred, we've got our NBA segment and we've got our Colf Face segment to round out the show. We'll see you guys soon. Why did I mention Kyrgios? Kyrgios? Well, because he can't win it. That's why. He's hugely entertaining. Look, here's here's my take on Kyrgios. Best of three format? If it was a best of three format, he, he could win it. But then he'd still have to win seven matches, seven matches over a best of three format, which I still think would be challenging for him. Normal ATP events, you're looking at a it's 32-man draw. The ones that he's won previously, uh, he's won 250 level and he's won 500 level you're looking at five matches. Sometimes you get a bye, you win four matches, four best of three matches. But five, without a bye, you've got to win five best of three matches. He's proven he can do that. You'd still have to win seven against the very the very best. He'd be capable of doing that. You'd have to, you know, you have to go through possible, you know, two or three top 10 players to get it. But oh, best of five, no, can't. I don't. Best of five over two weeks. He hasn't gone anywhere close to showing that he can do that. He just he can't. It'd be entertaining matches, entertaining tennis, no doubt about that. But yeah, you know, as as he moves through, you know, to to beat Nadal over five sets, if that matchup is, they're talking about that matchup, that possible Kyrgios Nadal matchup matchup. He's got to get through Kachanov first, which I don't think he gets through that one. Um, if that one goes four, possibly five sets of punishing tennis. But then he's got Nadal after that. Nadal over five on a slow hard court. I don't think he can sustain it. Too physical. Too physical. He can't win it. Hey, hope he proves me wrong. Um, you know, love Nick. Love uh, what he brings to the table. Um, but... Um, 
this is uh, this is big boy stuff. And Nadal and Novak over five on a slow hard court. Complete, com- complete pain, nightmare. You don't want it. You definitely do not want that. NBA and plenty going on in the association as we get close to uh, the halfway point of the season and NBA All-Star Weekend will be taking place. And there'll be some players there that are really keen for the break, but um, the Lakers still continuing to go about their business out west. They had a uh, little bit of a hiccup there against the Orlando Magic, losing that one. Uh, by a point, um, but a little bit of speculation out there that the Lakers looking to make a move, looking to move uh, Kyle Kuzma. Um, yeah, this is an interesting one. Kuzma uh, hasn't been uh, the consistent force that uh, that the Lakers were hoping for. It's really just been about Anthony Davis uh, and LeBron James. Um, but Kuzma's uh, lacked a little bit of consistency, so. Uh, the rumors around the association that uh, that Kuzma um, is on the trade block. What the Lakers are looking for? They're looking for that, looking for that twenty-point scorer off the bench who's going to give them that consistency that the Clippers have. The Clippers have got Lou Williams off the bench who can, who can come on, um, give you twenty plus, and uh, and 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 put up shots now. Kuzma's argument is like, well, I'm very rarely got the ball. Everything goes through LeBron. Everything goes through AD. I'm just, um, you know, picking up, um, you know, the leftovers basically. But LeBron's the he's the lone playmaker for the Lakers, and they're looking to add another playmaker. Simple as that. When LeBron goes to the bench, they don't have a playmaker to to handle the ball and knock down shots. Rondo hasn't. Uh, Hasn't been that guy, even though he thinks he's that guy, um, uh, but he's not. He hasn't been able to do it to the effect that the Lakers need. Um, but uh, with Anthony Davis out with that uh, that tailbone injury, um, you know the narrative's been Le- LeBron said he's going to run th- run things through uh, through Anthony Davis, and he spoke to Davis and said that um, look, he wants him to play through some of these niggles, play through some of this pain, and and what LeBron's doing. What James is doing is he's trying to prepare Davis for the playoffs because teams are going to come at him and they're going to hit hard. They are going to go at him physically because talent-wise, he's, I mean, this guy's seven foot, uh, can shoot the three, you know, uh, incredible skill set. There's no one that can match up on him. The only way that you can really uh, slow him down is to, is to beat him up, is to, is to knock him down physically. Um, so LeBron, instead of uh, Anthony Davis, as he used to do in uh, New Orleans, and just, hey, I'm a little bit banged up, I'm going to take a couple of nights off, LeBron has had him out there playing because he's trying to build this guy up. LeBron is basically preparing Anthony Davis for playoff basketball because LeBron knows that he's going to need Anthony Davis out there on the floor for the Lakers to advance to the NBA Finals to, to, to get through the West. And um, that's what he's doing. Now, is there another option out there? Um, you know, can they upgrade and, and get uh, a playmaker in? Um, you know, do, will they have to give up Kuzma? Look, 
Um, you know, only time will tell. But uh, you know, I'm not too sure the Lakers have the pieces to uh, to to move Kuzma. Uh, they gave up a lot of draft picks, uh, a lot of concessions just to get Anthony Davis across. Um, you had to go and do that, but then that the problem with that is you don't have the flexibility to to, to tweak and, and and make a move. Now, don't get me wrong, the Lakers are cruising, now sitting at like 35 and eight on the schedule, I believe it is 35 and seven or 35 and eight, um, and they're looking to get better. Uh, other teams are probably going like, oh. You know, aren't they satisfied with that? But th- this is, um, look, the Lakers are all in. They've got chips all in the middle. This is a championship or bust, and that's just the way it is when you've got uh, not only are you playing for the Lakers organization, but you've got LeBron James and Anthony Davis uh, there as well. That one-two punch, they're going to look to uh, do everything that they possibly can uh, to, to get the job done. So it's just something to... Uh, keep an eye on. There's, there was talk of uh, Devin Booker possibly of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, there was talk of um, Darren Collison coming back to. Uh, uh, he's a he's an, uh, California guy. I believe he's an LA native. Um, there was talk that the Clippers were looking to get Collison just to so he didn't go to the Lakers. So you know that battle of LA, uh, the battle of LA continues there, and uh, the Clippers have just been chipping away. Uh, Paul George has been injured. Kawhi Leonard still uh, with the the load management uh, nonsense that uh, the league continues to talk about. But uh, the Lakers looking to improve. They're looking to add one, but do they have to give up one uh, in Kyle Kuzma uh, to get that? Um, I think this is going to be ongoing uh, right up until the trade deadline. And and Kyle Kuzma uh, right now is... um, Really trying to prove that uh, that that he can stick, um, that he wants to be a Laker. Um, he's going to have to uh, put up some uh, consistent points. Had 36, uh, 36 points there the other night with both LeBron and AD out, and uh, another twenty five uh, the night before. His two best games, um, you know, of the season. But they need consistency, and um, but it's something to uh, to keep track of. Uh, moving forward. Up next, after the break, we're going to talk about a little bit of a beef going on. Kendrick Perkins and Kevin Durant, highly entertaining stuff. When is Kevin Durant uh, going to grow up? It's just uh, this guy's not even playing and uh, uh, we're talking about him with, uh, with his Twitter beefs. Highly entertaining. And we're going to wrap the show up with the coalface. We are talking Kyrie Irving. He is on the coalface and uh, it's not pretty. This is Jade Kolf at the Kolf Man. This is No Holds Barred. Lakers get Iguodala or Collison. I think they win it. I think they do, but don't don't sleep on some of these other teams out west. Utah Jazz have, uh, are starting to started slow once again, but starting to piece it together. They, I think they won ten was it ten in a row? I think it was ten or eleven in a row uh, midweek. Memphis Grizzlies special mention to them. 
seven or six, six, seven or eight in a row. Did you see? Uh, look, and in, in, in their point guard, um, JJ Morant. He is um, look special athlete. Okay, you take a look at Memphis taking JJ Morant. If you had to, if you had to say at the start of the year, do you take JJ Morant or you take Zion Williamson? You take JJ Morant, don't you? You do. Look, durability is a huge part of this league, and look, Zion. I've I've said this time and time again. No, they better the the Pelicans better make as much marketing dollars as they possibly can off Zion Williamson because he's going to spend a lot of time sitting on the pine in street clothes while JJ Morant is running around like the Energizer buddy, a bunny flying through the air. See that, see that dunk last night, that alley-oop dunk in another win? Whew. I mean, come on. Memphis. They, uh, Look, if Memphis had the number one pick, they'd probably take Zion as well. But, you know, it was just lucky they didn't have it. You had to take him. You had to take him. But it's you, you, he's been sitting on the bench all season long, all season long. And I don't say that. I think his durability is going to make him a real liability, a real liability. And saying that, Speaking about uh, <laughs> liabilities, we've got. Uh, just want to touch on the the Kendrick Perkins and the Kevin Durant beef that's been going on during the week. The two former Oklahoma City uh, Thunder teammates and Perk. Perk's an interesting character. He's uh, he's stirring the pot a little bit on a on a number of topics, and uh, he's. He's on there, uh, a bit of a straight shooter, but he's come out and said that uh, the Kevin Durant move to uh, to the Golden State Warriors, he called it the weakest move uh, in NBA history on his former teammate. And of course, as we all know, uh, Kevin Durant didn't take Kevin Durant long to bite back, basically calling Perk a bum and said that like, yeah, he really contributed a lot to the uh, to their team that obviously had Russell Westbrook as well. Perk basically saying that, um, you know, Russell Westbrook uh, was the was the marquee player there at, uh, at OKC when Durant, Westbrook and Perkins were teammates there. Um, Perkins basically saying that, yeah, Westbrook was the guy and, and Durant was, um, you know, was, was second fiddle. Um, Durant bit back, basically saying that, uh, you know, Perk, what did you actually contribute? Like your three points per game and, and two rebounds really, really helped uh, helped us uh, in some of those series, uh, those uh, playoff series. And, uh, yeah, Perk come out and basically said, look, Kevin, it was the weakest move in NBA history. You, uh, you led 3-1 against the Warriors uh, in the Western Conference playoffs, in the conference finals. Um basically choked and then uh, decided to go and join them, uh, go and join a 73-win team. Um, so it's been uh, it's been entertaining, that's for sure. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, Durant uh, firing, firing back on all cylinders. So um, it, it's an interesting talking point, that's for sure. But, you know, 
whether you're uh, whatever your stance on it is, it was, uh, you know, I think the Durant move to the Golden State Warriors, look, a smart move, a smart move, um, you know, if, if really you're all about winning and, um, you know, jumping on, jumping on a winner, great, but uh, you need to understand that uh, if you're going to do that, you, you are going to be uh, very, very likely to cop a lot of criticism, um, especially when you're uh, arguably uh, either the best or second best player in the world and you go and join a 73-win team um, instead of re-signing or uh, taking them head-on and beating them uh, on the floor. Um, so I think he was fully aware of that. So uh, Durant needs to needs to be able to needs to be able to take that. Um, so uh, you know, I don't think Perk is by himself when uh, he says the weakest move in uh, in NBA history. There's been a number of former players, Charles Barkley, um, and a couple of others have said that um, yeah they consider it weak and they wouldn't have done it as well. But times have changed. And player mobility is uh, a part of the league now. And the league is not what it used to be where players very rarely left their organisation. Maybe maybe one move, maybe one trade. Um, but players, uh, when they were drafted, they generally stayed there. Marquee players, I'm talking about marquee players. I'm talking about superstars, superstars of our game. Um, once they were drafted to a team, they stayed there for the duration of their career. But now... Um, you know, the best players in the league, you, you Durant, you LeBron James, you know, you're playing for um, three, sometimes four different teams. So I'm not surprised at all that uh, Durant uh, is taking some shots such as the one that uh, that Perk dishes out, and and some other former players as well, some some old school kind of guys, and uh, you know especially now after he left Golden State and now he's in uh, he is in Brooklyn, uh, teaming up with Kyrie Irving at uh, the Brooklyn Nets. Up next, we're going to wrap up the show and. Uh, we are going to speak about Kevin Durant's teammate, Kyrie Irving. He is in, uh, he's on the coalface once again. Not the first time that he's been on the coalface, but uh, he's on the coalface. It's been a great show. We're going to wrap it up after the break. This is Jade Colf at The Colf Man. You're listening to No Holds Barred. Well, yeah, of course you're going to cop criticism. You're the best, just about the best player in the world, and you join the best team in the world. People are going to think that that's weird. So, you know, Durant, like, what's what 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 did he expect? That was obvious. And now he's in Brooklyn, and you know. They're terrible, and the guy that he's teamed up with is on the coalface right now. And Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant teaming up in Brooklyn. Now, Durant out with the 
serious Achilles injury. He won't play again this year. But Kyrie Irving, who has gone from Cleveland with LeBron James, wasn't happy there after they won the title. Wasn't happy playing second fiddle. So, you know, manoeuvred his way to Boston where he could really do whatever he wanted to do. He stunk that team up. They were Boston were good before he arrived there. Then when they got when he got there, they went in the wrong direction. Now that he's left, Boston again one of the elite teams in the East. And Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. They weren't doing very well with him on the court leading the show and he's been out injured. They've actually been a better team without Kyrie on the floor. So when he was in Cleveland and there was no LeBron James, they couldn't win a lick. They couldn't do anything at all. They were terrible. LeBron decides to come back to Cleveland. Obviously they you know they become a force win the win the championship. He goes to Boston. Boston team chemistry is fantastic. He goes to Boston. Their team chemistry stinks. He leaves Boston. They become, again, one of the elite teams in the East. And now he's gone to Brooklyn, who had great team chemistry there last year. He shows up there, joins the squad. Their chemistry suffers. And then he goes out with an injury. And they start winning games. Spencer Dinwiddie um, starts putting up 20-plus points a game. The chemistry returns with Kyrie on the bench. Now, he's been out 26 games with a left shoulder issue. Uh, 26 games with a left shoulder injury uh, issue. That's a, basically a, a quarter of the season. More than a quarter. You are 18 and 22 on the season, okay, through 40 games. You've missed 26 of those games. And he comes back and he's talking about, he starts playing the whole victim mentality with the media, talking about, oh, it's quite obvious here, you know, we, you know, we need some pieces. We need to bring some pieces in here to compete, to, to, to be a competitive unit out east. Um, you know, but we're just out there trying our best. You know, we'll do what we can do for now. You know, really lock in uh, each night. Um, you know, play as well as we can. But it's quite obvious that we we need to bring some pieces in here to compete. What is this guy talking about? What pieces? That's his job. He was the piece that they brought in to compete. Now they were competing last year. They made the playoffs last year. The Brooklyn Nets. Okay, and they uh, they had a bunch of guys, no real marquee guys, but the chemistry was off the chain. Chemistry was off the charts, and he is the help. He says we need to bring in some guys in here that can help us out. Well, he is the help. He is the piece. The other piece, obviously, Kevin Durant. He's on the sideline um, resting up the Achilles, only for next year. Um you know, resting up the Achilles when he's not um, getting get, getting in arguments and Twitter beefs and Twitter wars with his uh, his ex teammate Big Perk. But 
Kyrie Irving, he is the help. That's his job. He's the one that's supposed to lead the team, you know, put up 28, uh, 29, 30 points a game and, um, you know, play the play the point guard position and, 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 and have them follow him. So what's he talking about? What pieces? We need to bring some pieces in to help. Like the rest of the Brooklyn Nets squad must hear that and think like this guy is a complete nut job. Like they've been battling while he's been on the sideline for 26 games with a left shoulder issue. 26 games. And they've been battling winning games, trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. And they've been doing a great job. And then he comes back and a couple of games in, he's talking about, it's quite obvious we don't have the pieces that we need. Like, could you be any more disrespectful to your teammates? And how about taking some responsibility and actually being the marquee and blue chip superstar or star that they need? That's why they brought you in there. And you're talking about pieces? Like, that's your job, Kyrie. That's your job. And this guy, time and time again, is uh, too much to deal with, a real handful, uh, a, a real handful, needy, overrated, um, is a, you know, is, is a chemistry killer. Like, oh, I'm really like done with this guy. I was done with this guy a while ago and uh, it was really great to see the Brooklyn Nets making a charge uh, up the uh, up the standings. Kyrie comes back and all of a sudden he's talking about pieces. They, we, quite obviously we need to bring in some pieces here to compete, but we're just going to do our best. Well, you know what? He is the piece. That's his job. Um, but clearly uh, he never wants to uh, to step up and, 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 and be the guy because he just can't handle it. He's not the guy at all. He's um, He can't be an alpha guy. He can't be the number one guy. Uh, he couldn't do it when uh, he was in Cleveland by himself. When LeBron was in Miami, they didn't win. They didn't win squat. That Cleveland stunk, and and he had the ball in his hand as much as he wanted. Could shoot as much as he wanted. Could do whatever he want as much as he wanted. It wasn't until LeBron came back that uh, they started marching up the uh, up the standings, up the uh, the Eastern Conference standings. He, he he killed Boston. He killed the chemistry there in Boston. They couldn't wait to see the end of him. Could not wait to see the butt end of him. And now he's in Brooklyn doing exactly the same thing. I think Kevin Durant made a mistake by teaming up with this guy. Uh, I think it's going to be highly entertaining next year when they team up together. But you know what Durant's like. He can be uh, he can be a big baby. And, you know, I, I think uh, – I don't think it's uh, – it was a good move by Kevin. Uh, I think Kyrie's going to, uh, going to be the death of um, – Death of that franchise, everywhere he's gone, he's been nothing but trouble. And uh, he plays the victim every single time. Uh, it, uh, yeah, it just, uh, it, I am absolutely flabbergasted by uh, by his words. And, uh, yeah, Kyrie Irving, uh, you might as well, uh, you know, 26 games out with the left shoulder. Kyrie Irving, you need to put next to his name, not Kyrie Irving slash superstar or Kyrie Irving slash marquee player. How about you put Kyrie Irving slash chemistry killer? Because that's exactly what he's done everywhere he's been. And that's exactly what he's doing now with the Brooklyn Nets. This is No Holds Barred.
I mean, can you believe that guy? We need to bring pieces in to compete. That's your job, bro. That's your job. No need to say any more on that. Wow. What a show. Plenty of uh, plenty of content there. Action-packed show. Plenty of stuff going on, as we mentioned before. Looking forward to uh, this weekend's NFL games. Let's look for that San Francisco-Kansas City Super Bowl. That... Uh, I think that's one that uh, Roger Goodell and, and the NFL of the league will be hoping for. But hey, Tennessee Titans—they've been—they've been huge. They've been brave, and uh, Green Bay, Green Bay, got to play that perfect game. But San Francisco, Kansas City, let's go for that. Um, we're going to bring you uh, more NBA action on the next show, as well as we count down to uh, we count down to the NBA All Star Game. Uh, and obviously, Australian Open action uh, getting underway in a little over, uh, around about 36 hours now. Uh, we'll come to you from Melbourne. We'll bring you uh, plenty of the action, <clears throat> all the action. And of course, we'll have our uh, our hot coal face segment. And look, there were uh, there were a couple of um, there were a couple of. Uh, a couple on there that were in line for uh, the coalface segment, but Corey Irving jumped straight to the head of the line. Once, uh, once I saw that, um, that was it. He was uh, he was in pole position, top shelf, absolute top shelf. Missed twenty six games. Talking about we need pieces to compete. Um, chemistry killer, if ever I've seen one. It's been great. This is Jade Kolf at The Kolf Man. Hope you enjoyed the show. Special mention to uh, my good mate, uh, Sambo Bancroft in the United States. He will be staying up late watching the Manchester United-Liverpool game. No doubt about that. Sambo, I will uh, talk to you about that game soon, mate. Enjoy the game. Um, Mad Manchester United fan. Uh, is Sambo and uh, loves the show, mate. Thanks for thanks for listening. Uh, he enjoys the Premier League segment. So, um, Sambo, all the best, mate, in the Manchester United-Liverpool game. May the best team win. And uh, it's been great bringing you the show. We'll be back. Plenty more sports action. This is Jade Kolf at The Kolf Man. Thanks for listening to the show. This is No Holds Barred. Change, though. You best vote. Pick it up. Call me. How come we don't even talk no more? And you don't even call no more. We don't barely keep in touch at all. And I don't even feel the same love when we hug no more. And I heard it through the grapevine. We even beefing now. After all the years we've been down, ain't no way no how. This bullshit can't be true. We family and a damn thing changed. Bless it's so young, so full of life. Vibrant side by side, wherever you was riding, I went so close, almost on some Bonnie and Clyde shit. When Ronnie died, you was right by my side with a shoulder to cry on, a tissue to wipe my eyes, and a bucket to catch every tear I cried inside it. You even had the same type of childhood I did. Sometimes I just wanna know why is it the deuce that came to yours and mine? I survived it. You ran the streets high nine to 
survived it We grew up, grew apart as time went by us Then I blew up to both yours and mine's surprises Now I feel a vibe, I just can't describe it Much as your pride tries to hide it Your cold, your touch, it's just like ice in your eyes There's a look of resentment, I can sense it and I don't like it How come we don't even talk no more And you don't even call no more We don't barely keep in touch at all And I don't even feel the same love when we are no 